0: As you know, most of you know, and I mentioned it earlier, I thought we were going to be in our series of messages on being everything that Christ died for us to be. As late as Wednesday night, if you remember, those who were here Wednesday night, that's what I announced. And then the activities of Wednesday and Thursday and Friday began to weigh on my heart. And I believe that God's kind of shaken me to speak a word into our lives today. As I've mentioned many times, so many times you're probably tired of it, Michael Katz, my, one of my heroes, Dr. Ted Trailer. I'll mention him in a second, it's another one. But not long ago, I... I I heard Brother Michael preach. I listened to a podcast. Brother Michael preach a message entitled, Don't Miss The Moment. And I'll just tell you, it stirred my soul. It touched my heart. And then I saw the, uh, the images of this past week in our country, and I'll just tell you, it stirred my soul and broke my heart to see where we are. Now, folks, Don't anybody dismiss me. I've got my own personal beliefs about what's going on, what went on in Washington. And they will not become a part of this message. But I'll tell you this, what happened in Washington, D.C. last Wednesday, along with what's been going on in the major cities of our country for the past 12 months, Portland, Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago, New York. Reveal the truth. It reveals the depravity of mankind and the need for a spiritual awakening in our land. Thursday morning, I do like I normally do many mornings. I'm up and I'm headed to breakfast around 5.15 or 5.30 and I'm Listening to a podcast this Thursday, I was listening to Brother Ted. And when I got to an aid, I was reading a Leonard Ravenhill, a revivalist from the 20th century. And Brother Ted was preaching a message from exactly one year ago entitled Life and Living in a New Decade. And he tied together Psalm 90 and Acts 1 that you see up here. But I want you to see these three scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn. We're going to go to Psalm 90 first. Then we're going to go to Acts 1. And then we'll go to James 4. And here's what I want, here's what I believe God is calling me to call us to do. You may not like what I'm about to say, but I don't prepare sermons. I don't prepare sermons. I mean, before I became a pastor, I heard enough sermons to sink a battleship, and I can't remember any of them. God speaks into my heart to prepare a message for you and for me. A message. And the message today is the title that you see on the screen. Don't miss your moment. Now, before I get to talking about your moment, I'm going to run around it so many ways that you're going to, I hope that you're going to have a a context in your mind about what is your moment, which is your moment. The moment that may be here right now that may not ever come again. So, let me begin with prayer and then we will look at Psalm 90. Would you bow with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I tell you what I don't have to tell you that my heart's heavy today. It's heavy for a nation that I know that you've blessed. It's heavy for a nation that's that attempted to put you front and center and now we've kind of elbowed you out and kicked you to the curb. And I pray for communities even ours, that have in large measure voted that you're not the King of kings and Lord of lords. But I pray for this people in this room. And I pray, Lord, that if you give us a moment with you, I pray that we'll not waste it. I pray it will not be just business as usual in our lives. I pray that we will seek you and search you. In Jesus' name, amen. Putting together the thoughts from these texts, we're going to share this message. But I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the most, I've been preaching almost 30 years, this is the most different message that I've ever shared with anybody. Psalm 90, if you're there, this psalm was written by Moses. Go ahead, if you will, Evan. Here's what it says. Moses says, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. You know, the truth is, the greatest thing that we could offer to our Lord, the greatest thing we could offer to this world, the greatest thing we could offer to our families, are you listening, is a heart of wisdom. The problem is, we don't really like to deal with heart matters. We don't really like to deal with issues. We prefer to deal with peripheral things. No offense to all my friends who love sports and loves hunting and everything else. But yes, we'll give much time to our kids to learn how and learn which team they're supposed to support. uh, How to hunt. How to be a sports person. How to play. We spend a lot of time doing that. And we spend a little time talking about matters. Of the heart. And do you know why that is? Well, there could be a lot of reasons, but I'll give you one. It's because we think we've got plenty of time. We think we have plenty of time. Before I came here in the 70s, it actually it was 1970, a guy named Clay McLean, a song that was written by, that was recorded by Connie Smith, entitled Plenty of Time, and the words are these I got up on Sunday morning. And I went to the church at 10. I listened to the words I'd heard time and time again. The preacher spoke of sinful lives, and it seemed he spoke of mine. But I was young. I had plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wished to live, out to beat the other fellow and out to get what life can give. Making money's not sinful, having is not a crime. Because I know I got plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound to eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. I'm just a young man, not yet in my crime my prime. I'll just wait. I got plenty of time. You know how Moses addresses that plenty of time? He tells us here, you better Number your days. Now, we don't like to number our days. We'll number our years. How old are you? I'm 31, 61, 91, 11. We number our years, but we don't even want to number our months, let alone our days. You see, we think time is on our side, but it's not. Listen, here's what happens. Let me just illustrate it this way. You're young. You think you'll never get old enough to get a driver's license, and then you do. You think you're never going to get old enough to graduate high school, but you do. You think you're never going to get old enough to vote, but you do. You never. You think you'll never get old enough to graduate college and get a job, but you do. Get married, have children, the list goes on. And then one day, please listen, one day you get to that apex. And when you get to that apex and you cross that apex... All of a sudden, it's like you're on a greased flagpole. You see, the truth is we do not have plenty of time. And this will be illustrated again as we look toward our last scripture. You see, yesterday has gone. Tomorrow may never come. But listen to me. You have this moment. Don't miss your moment right now. Now, if you will, turn to Acts chapter 1. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, and it's really talking about Jesus and the disciples... They, the disciples, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the time or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of Of the age. The more I read about the disciples, the more I understand that there are men just like you and I are with the same same, um, thought processes. You see, at this point, Jesus had been killed. He had been put in the ground. He had stayed there three days. He had come back to life. He had walked with them for 40 days. And now... He is headed back to heaven. They've had all this time with Him. And please listen. The question in verse seven, uh, verse 6 is like the questions we ask. And it reminds us that they still didn't get it. They still didn't under They were like us. They didn't understand. And they said, man, are you going to restore Israel? That's what you're here for. And He, he said, okay, now somebody's going to get offended that you're making Jesus too human. But this is the old Watts translation. Guys, that's none of your business. That's none of your business. Quit trying to run in a lane that's not yours. Here's what I want to tell you is that because one day the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Please listen, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit come upon you. And at that point, you receive power. At that point, you will be my witnesses. Not you can be or you may be or you should be. You will be my witnesses and you'll start right where you live. And then you'll go to the surrounding areas, Judea. And you remember that stinky old Samaria that none of you guys would dare set foot in? Are you listening? 21st century Baptist. That place that you don't want to go, you're going to be witnesses there too. And then to the rest of the world. You see, and here's what I will tell you. And it was only when Jesus ascended to heaven that the Spirit came that they finally got it. And it was that moment that changed their lives. We're just home folk here. We have a few guests, but we're just home folk. Most of us had not thought much about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives this week. And yet He's there. He's calling. You see, the only way we have the power to do the work of God is to receive the presence and have the Spirit of God God in control of us. Don't miss the moment that He comes. Now, if you will, to kind of tie this together, flip on over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Don't miss the moment that God calls you. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> it says, come now. Come on, man. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And here's your big question. What is your life? What is your life? For you are a mist, some translations say a vapor, that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Just like we were talking. You don't think you'll ever get there? And then you get to the apex? And it's over before you know it. Because folks, time is not on your side. Minute Moments come, moments go, and we miss them. <clears throat> Whether it's a family moment of a birth, a personal moment like a marriage, or a spiritual moment like committing to Christ. Don't miss it. I've laid a pretty good foundation here, three scriptures about missing your moment. Now I want to take you, just roll that forward. I want to take you through the Bible, and I want to talk to you about some folks who had moments. Some of them missed them, and some of them took advantage of them. We begin with Moses. You know the story of Moses, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years on the backside of Midian. In Exodus 3, he comes and he's tending his sheep, and he sees a burning bush that that's not consumed. And he says, I will turn aside and see that burning bush. Now, most of us think, have a Mississippi perspective of this. He's herding cows, sheep here, and the fire's over here, and he just turns aside to see it. But that's not the case. He was in the mountains. Chances are it took him hours to get to the burning bush. He had to leave his responsibility. He had to leave his regular life and go to the burning bush. You know what happened at the burning bush? He encountered Jehovah God. He didn't miss his moment. Have you ever thought about what would have happened if Moses had missed his moment in life? Well, he probably would have spent the rest of his life on the backside of Midian in the wilderness. He would have never seen his people released from Egypt. He would have not had the privilege of witnessing the Red Sea parting. He would never have gone on Mount Sinai and brought down the Ten Commandments. Whoo! Now, some of you deep theologians are going, Brother Jerry, I don't believe that. I believe God would have found another way. Maybe. But isn't it just possible that God said, Moses is going to do it or it's not going to get done? That may be what he's saying to you. He's speaking to you. He's to do something that nobody has ever done before. Don't miss your moment. Second guy, David. David. We find David's real moment in his life. Of all the other wonderful things he did, we find it in 2 Samuel chapter 11 with these words. <clears throat> in the spring of the year, the time kings go off to war, <laughs> David sent Joab, his servants, and all of Israel. But David remained in Jerusalem. And now I don't have to build that story because you know what happened next. He came to his moment and he missed it. Are you listening? He missed it. And it was disaster for himself. It was disaster for his family. It was disaster for Israel. It was disaster for his kingdom. Even in the process of covering up his sins, trying to cover up his sin, he killed a man. And what did God do? God took one of his children, took his baby. You see, it's a serious thing to miss your moment. When you miss your moment, there is a price to be paid. How about Isaiah. Isaiah. In the sixth chapter of Isaiah, these are the, this begins the word, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And then it gives that whole uh, encounter. Isaiah was obviously on his face. But after they had talked a little bit, God said, okay, whom shall I send and who will go for me? Isaiah wasn't a Baptist. Because if he'd been a Baptist, he'd go, Lord, I'm here. Send Eric, send Jason, send Jimmy, send somebody else. I'm here, but send somebody else. That had been the Baptist way. But because he didn't miss, he said, here I am, Lord. Send me. And because he didn't miss his moment, there is a whole large prophecy in the Bible called Isaiah. He sent word to King Ahaz of all people, That a Savior was coming. He predicted the doom. He prophesied it. He didn't miss his moment. Let's go to the New Testament. Just a couple more. The shepherds. The shepherds. Now we saw the shepherds. This is easy because they are minding their own business. They're doing their job. They're standing on the the hillside. Here they are. (coughs) And all of a sudden, the lights... Well, it's a lighting show like, uh, Las Vegas would have loved to have. And the angel appears, and when the angel appears, they, well, what we did? They, they go, well, we, we, we know. You know, we must have all been dreaming. We're not going anywhere. We got sheep to take care of. But they didn't. They said, let's respond to the word the Lord's given us. And their reward was they got to see the baby. As far as I could tell, this is the first ones to see baby Jesus. Because they didn't miss their moment. The last one that I'm going to give to you. This is someone who was very fortunate and unfortunate. He was fortunate because the moments kept coming in his life. And he would miss some and he would get some. I mean, when Peter heard Jesus say, follow me, he left his boats. Man, he took advantage of that moment. Then you get in in Matthew 16, and Jesus turns to the disciples. I'd love to have been there, been a fly on the wall, and he says, okay, guys, we've been doing this a while. What are people saying about me? Well, they're kicking stones, and those little old disciples are going, ah, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And he said, okay, enough about what everybody else is saying. What do you say? And Peter goes, verse 16, I believe it is. He goes, you're Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blessed him and said, man, the Holy Spirit uh, taught you that. But listen, it wasn't six verses later that Jesus was telling them how it was going to unfold. And Peter goes, it says, Peter rebuked Jesus. And Jesus called him Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. And I can identify with Peter because I can get it right sometimes and I can get it wrong sometimes. Peter was a master at getting it wrong. I mean, think about it. That was such a wasted moment. But get up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Pete, John, Jesus has got his A-team up there, Peter, James, and John. And you know what happened? Jesus and two prophets from the Old Testament Appeared in glorified form. And Peter is a Baptist. You do know that, don't you? Because he said, Okay, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let's build us a house for our four and no more. We don't need to go get anybody else. And Peter missed the moment. The strength of that moment. And Jesus led them down the mountain. And you know why he wouldn't let them stay in that little covey, like a church shouldn't stay in a little covey, it's because at the bottom of the hill there was a need that had to be met that only Jesus could meet. The reason we can't stay in the building as his church is because there are needs that need to be met that only our Lord can meet through us. Well, Peter's not through. We could could go on and on the upper room. Jesus says, everybody's going to be scattered and deny me. And Peter said, those characters might, not me. Jesus goes, oh, Peter. And in the next 24 hours, Peter didn't deny him once. He denied him three times. In less than 24 hours, Peter was not so proud. He had his head buried in his hand crying. They don't leave Peter like that. If you read the book of John with any clarity, you'll see that at the end of chapter twenty, it's like John thought he was finished, and the Holy Spirit said, "Let's add one more chapter so everybody knows about Peter." And that's where Jesus came on the side of the of the um, of the fishing hole, and he said, "Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter." Do you even like me? But Peter did finally get it right. I'm not telling you everybody gets this many opportunities, but Peter did. He finally got it right. And when he got it right, in a big way, after Acts chapter 1 where we read, they went back and they prayed. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell, and Peter got it right. He stood, and 3,000 people got saved because he was in the power of, Of the Holy Spirit. Folks, I've walked all through these. Trying to build the case that we can miss the moment. You can miss your moment. So now I want to come and make it very personal. And for the moments that remain, I want to talk about you. I know I'm talking about me too. It's okay. You see... You're in this service, here in this message. I believe God has put us in this place. And your moment right now may not ever come again. I'm calling you to make the next right decision for your life. It begins with Jesus. The first decision that we have to come to, the first moment in our life, is salvation. You see, folks, when Jesus comes to you and wants you to be saved, he calls you to be saved. He's calling you not, now hear me, not just to pray a prayer although a prayer is generally involved. Not just to walk an aisle, although walking an aisle is generally involved. Not just be baptized, not just be a church member, although that's involved. He is calling you to do something you have never done before. That's your moment. He walked up to the, he walked up to the fisherman and he said, follow me. That's the call to salvation today. Follow me. And then he, he augmented that when he said, if anybody wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, die to self, and devote themselves. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a call to repentance of sin. It's a call to return from rebellion against God. It is a call to have your life changed because you've been forgiven of sin. It, It changes the direction of your life. It changes the focus of your life. It changes the commitments in your life. It's a call for you to walk with Jesus. By the way, There is no other way to make it to heaven. There's no balance scales up there if I do more good than bad. Jesus said it this way. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Your first moment. Don't miss it. I fear there are some of us that have missed this part. And what I say going forward would just kind of be like water off a duck's back because the change has never happened. Don't miss the moment. Today, God's calling you. The second thing is the big word, sanctification. Sanctification. Now, Brother Jerry, you don't normally use a big word like that, so let me just pare it down. That means to become like Jesus. Hello? Hello? To become, and this is not, this is not a, uh, uh, for the super Christ follower, the super Christian, or the, just the pastor. This is for everyone who takes advantage of number one and invites Christ into their heart. (coughs) There is a change. Let me make some folks mad at me. To say that you're a Christ follower for 30 or 40 years and to still live like your ancestors, to still offer the excuse, well, that's just the way I am, it doesn't wash. You cannot spend your life following Christ and not be like Christ. A natural result of following Christ is that you and I pick up His characteristics. Tell me that's just the way I am. I'm going to tell you, well, listen, Jesus saved you to be the way He is, not the way you are. People don't come to church, I mean, in the south, probably on the creek. In the south for sure, people don't attend worship today because of how some who named the name of Christ spoke to them and treated them. You see, that's not becoming like Jesus. Brother Jerry, I don't know about this becoming like Jesus stuff. Well, let me just tell you this. I haven't asked your permission of this, baby, but I'm going to tell it anyway, okay? It's always easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. My wife and I have been married longer than we'll own up to, and it's none of your business. But it's a lot of years. We've been married so long that we're beginning to think like each other. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me give you one illustration. It's about six or seven years ago. Deborah had to have surgery on her stomach. She had a hernia, and she had esophageal reflux. You medical people know what we talk about, a fundification where they go in there on top of that stomach and tighten it up. So it that's part of the residual thing of her of her cough. Well, I know you ladies are going to feel sorry for her when I tell you. That put her in bed, Steve, at the mercy of my cooking. And somebody's going to say, well, that probably hurt that stomach out, you know. But truthfully, I, I would ask her what she wanted, and generally I'd go get it if it was I'd maybe whip up some at the house. But we have been, get, been getting all kind of fast foods. And I was in the kitchen downstairs. This was in Alabama, downstairs. And I'm sitting there making me a grocery list, and I'm thinking, I'll get some ground beef, and I'll get a jar of spaghetti sauce, and I'll get us some spaghetti, and I'll fix us some spaghetti tonight, and that'll be a good meal. She's not had a home-cooked meal like that in a while. And so I decided that before I went and bought all my stuff, I'd go up and I'd see what Deborah wanted. Uh, Deborah, you need some stuff, And she started like this. She said, "Yeah, I need this, this, and this." And I was thinking, we could have spaghetti tonight for dinner. That happened to any other folks like that? I see the I see the nods. How many times now since we've been here, have I said uh, <clears throat> have I thought him, as I said in my office, "You know, we need to do this and this, and I walk out of my office into the house, and Deborah says what I've been thinking. And All she hears me say is, stay out of my mind. Do you know that's exactly what happens when you actually spend time with Jesus? You begin to think like he does. You begin to act like he does. You begin to talk like he does. What's important to him becomes important to you. This new song, it's not new now, Eric, but it was new a few years ago. It says, Lord... Break my heart with what breaks yours. You see, that's what sanctification is, becoming like Him. The third thing is service. Don't miss your moment with salvation. Don't miss your moment when you start the road to sanctification and don't miss your moment with this thing called service. Service. With all the love in my heart, I, I want to tell you this. No one, no one is saved to sit and soak. No one. And if all you do is sit and soak, quite likely you will sour. This is not in my notes, but, I, but it comes to my mind, and I think you... I've been thinking about... Illustration, You know, in the Holy Land, there are two bodies of water. You have the uh, Sea of Galilee and you have the Dead Sea. Did you realize that both of those bodies of water have streams flowing into them? The Sea of Galilee has tributaries that flow into it and then down on the or- lower end it has, has uh, uh, tributaries that flow out of it. It keeps the water fresh. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, only has the tributaries flowing in it, and it never gives up water. And so the water sits there and it dies. Do you know that's the picture of a church? That's the picture of a Christ follower who only is receiving and not giving. You see, we're called to serve. He calls us. He gives us. Gives us gifts for service. And the Bible says His gifts and callings are without repentance. That means He knows what He's doing and He's not sorry for it. The reason, please, the reason that our country is in such turmoil today is not a failure of government. It's a failure of the church and God's people. The government has no internal light to offer people. The church does. The local church is the hope of the world. That means something. Let's you and I not miss the moment. For the final moments, I want you to do something for me. If you haven't been paying attention, I'm going to call you to pay attention and focus just for a second. And we'll be done. Don't want you to worry about that person sitting next to you, your kids, or anything else. And I want to ask you a personal question. What moment are you in right now? Listen, you're in some moment because I know God is not silent. What moment are you in right now? What moment is facing you? What moment is this for you? whatever it is, please don't miss it. You may not ever get another opportunity. God is calling you like He called Moses to turn aside and see what He has in store for you, what He has in store in you, what He has in store through you. And if you will take advantage of this morning, I promise you this, if you let Him lead you, it will be an exciting way it will be it will be an impacting way It could it call you to cause you to do something that you have never done before. He may even call you to start something. You hear God speaking? He speaks in here. Do you hear him speaking? This could be that moment. And you can never have another one like it. Please, don't miss it. Let's pray together.